What's up, Canes fans? Peter Ariz here alongside D-Money, bringing you this week's edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. Canes are 3-0, and heading to Temple Week, and we're very excited for this week's watch party at Titanic. $1 wings, $1 jumbo shrimp, best game, game day deal in town. We are expecting a packed house out there. There's a lot of buzz around around this one. Obviously, been uh, been some home games, and everyone wants to go out there to Hard Rock and support, but it's the road rally at Titanic Restaurant Brewery right across from Mark Light in the heart of the Gables, essentially right there on campus. So I know, D-Money, you'll be out there. I'm unfortunately going to be out of town this weekend, but D, you will be out there. So Canes fans, uh, if you want to get your chance to meet the famous D-Money, <laughs> your chances this weekend at Titanic. Yeah, I don't know how how good that is, but I'll definitely be you know excited to meet everybody and and uh, you know maybe give info that I can't give on the boards um, and just have fun, man. It's gonna be a great time, um, great food, great place. We we were there a couple weeks ago with a ton of Canes fans and it was just booming. Um, like I said, right on campus, it is the the spot to watch Canes road games and Canes games in general, and it's gonna be a, a really fun event. Hope everybody makes it out. And, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, to building this Kane community here. You know, we all know each other online. Now we get to meet each other in person. It'll be a lot of fun. If you are watching the podcast on YouTube, you see that I have my my mic here and, and D and I have some backgrounds now. So always trying to upgrade as, as best as we can for all of the listeners of the podcast. We appreciate everyone's support. As always, like this video and subscribe to the channel so you do not miss any of our drops. Of course, we have our live show every Thursday with different guests. Excited to have a very special guest after this segment, D-Money. Tony Fitzpatrick, a great nose tackle at the University of Miami, was a 1983 national champion, two-year starter at Miami, and still very, very close to the program you know, lives in Houston, but comes down to, to practice and coached at, at Houston, coached at the collegiate level, and is still very, very uh, kind of in touch with what's happening in Coral Gables. Yeah, super knowledgeable. Again, really coach coach level knowledge on top of the intimate knowledge of the program as a national champion and someone who follows the program. Uh, you know, really nice guy when I met him. When you meet him, you can tell he's a tough guy, but a guy that size to play nose tackle at, the, at a national championship level is uh, is pretty insane. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world when you meet him. So just a really impressive dude, a huge Canes fan and a huge source of knowledge and a, just really a total stud. So excited for that interview. Um you sign up for the Canes Insight Forums, by the way. 6.5 million posts and counting. Um, all kinds of, of exclusive content there and just great feedback and, and communication with the Canes. All kinds of memes, inside jokes. It's a it's a wormhole. You get in there, you never get out. People are in there all day uh, at their office or wherever. So, uh, you know, get yourself addicted. Sign up. Also, the Canes Insight. My Shopify link in the description. Get some Canes Insight gear. I saw some Canes Insight gear at Hard Rock. My man Nick was rocking the shirt. A couple other people. So uh, get that. And um, if you want to play the football games, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up there. Daily Fantasy. You get $100 free just for signing up using promo code CIS. Helps us out as well. So go ahead and do that. Underdog Fantasy promo code CIS. So with all those plugs out of the way, fun game this weekend. Temple a team that Miami traditionally crushed. 
probably been Miami's equal <laughs> lately uh, in some seasons. They've had a pretty good program while Miami's been down. Um, nice, be nice to see sort of the old standard return where Miami pounds Temple. But uh, Pete, what are you, what are your thoughts on the game? Well, it, it, you know, it's it's funny to not funny, but it, it's last week when going into Bethune week, Mario was very uh, sure not to overlook them, and and he was asked a question where he was basically said, "Look, I'm we're not going to use this just as a game to rotate guys." I'd be disrespectful to say that before the game even uh, starts, and obviously it it ended up becoming that game, but just that mentality of not overlooking anybody listening to Mario in his show, the Mario Cristobal show this weekend in the press conferences, you would think that this was, uh, you know, a temple team that was loaded everywhere. Right. And, and, and it's not that, but th- this is not also a complete slouch of a team two and one got beat up, you know, pretty badly by a Rutgers team that we don't expect to be very good this season uh, squeaked out a win against Akron um, and then beat Norfolk state. But what you keep hearing about is EJ Warner, of course, of course, Kurt Warner's son at the quarterback position, getting the ball out of his hands quickly efficiency. There's some speed on the outside. I know there's a kid Dante, Wright That was mentioned today in the press conference that I remember looking back a couple years ago, looking to potentially recruit him when he was at Colorado State, actually, because he was a kid from the state of Florida. And I didn't even realize he transferred to Temple, but he was their leading receiver game one. He's a guy that I would say has the ability to do some things on the outside. Um, But overall, Canes are favored by 24 and a half. So you would expect them to be able to go in there and take care of business. But it is the first road game of the season. A lot of transfers on Temple, 50 new players. Uh, Alan Hay from Miami last year, defensive tackle. He's a big part of, of Temple's defensive line rotation. Um, Dewan Black from Florida. So they got a lot of transfers, a lot of Power 5 kids that ended up there. Um, it's funny, Mario, yeah, like you said, he made, he made Temple seem like the, the 2001 Canes. That's kind of the old-school coach approach. You see Belichick and Saban are like that. Deion Sanders takes a whole different approach. Um, you know, talking about his post game handshake. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Dion fan. I'm gonna get flack for that. But uh, you know, with Cristobal, definitely old school in that respect. But Temple does have some power five players, some some talent, and really, what I want to see from this game is a standard on offense, an identity on offense. Meaning, if you you know, Miami has not really had identities on offense aside from just being bad. You know. Um, even when they're good, they're inconsistent. You like to see a consistent Miami offense that looks a certain way and performs a certain way consistently, and it can be considered an upper echelon scary offense. That means offensive line play consistent, protecting TVD, opening holes in the run game, blowing guys off the ball, that running back rotation continuing to play at a high level, the receivers, really the top three receivers, continuing to be effective in their own ways, Restrepo, Colby Young. Jacoby George, and then TVD continuing to play at his level. You know, I want to see that just that consistency of excellence on the offense because then you could say, this is our identity on offense. This is who we are. You know, with TVD, I'm pulling up the stats. I went back and looked at his – he's basically played 12 starts without Gaddis, right? So if you look at – if you take away his Gaddis season and you look at his his career without Gaddis, 12 starts, basically a full season – 65% passer, 3,753 yards, 9.4 yards attempt, 
33 touchdowns, seven INT. So that's a season. That's a hell of a season. That 9.4 yards attempt or per attempt would put him, if you look last year, right at the top of the country with CJ Stroud um, and with um, who else was up there? Hendon Hooker, right? So two studs and TVD would have been right up there in yards per attempt while also having a 65% completion percentage. So very efficient, but also very dangerous down the field, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. So you just want to see TVD keep that standard. And be able to say, you know, you are a upper echelon quarterback in college. And those that kind of player will pat his stats against a team like Temple. He doesn't have an off game. So would like to see some of that. Um, and then defensively, Temple's only allowed one sack this year. Miami struggled to sack the quarterback after finishing top 10 in the country last year. Would like to see more sacks from this defensive unit, especially some guys who are filling in for some injured players. And I got into a lot of the defensive line discussion with Tony Fitzpatrick, who, again, coached at the collegiate level, coached defensive line. And it was very interesting to hear some of his insights there. He thinks it's more of a matter of time. But this is, as Coach Cristobal said, this is a this is an offense that tries to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. So that doesn't always lead itself to a bunch of sacks. So that will be an interesting battle there. I think this is also a game where you hear Coach Cristobal mention, well, not just Coach Cristobal, but Coach Dawson, for example, talking about Riley Williams at the tight end position. There's young guys at certain spots who have shown flashes early on. And this is a game against a group of five opponent that it's a step up from what we just saw last week in terms of Bethune-Cookman. Can you continue to see that those consistent flashes from these guys who hope to take a bigger role leading into ACC play, like a Jaden Wayne, also on the defensive ball, defensive side of the ball, where we saw some flashes last week? Yeah, Riley Williams is someone that we've been talking about on this podcast. He hasn't had that breakout game yet, but once he has it, I think he's going to be a star basically the rest of his career. I mean, this is a Miami tight end, on top of the first round Miami tight end, right? You're Shockey, you're Winslow, you're Najoku, Jimmy Graham. Kevin uh, Greg Olson, that is how I look at Riley Williams. He's that kind of guy. He, to me, is a level above Will Mallory and Brevin Jordan, who are both NFL tight ends. They played against each other last week. You saw that great post from Brevin Jordan talking about this is tight end you with him in his NFL jersey, Houston Texans, Mallory, and Indianapolis Colts. To me, Riley Williams is ahead of that tier, which is still a good tier, and in that shocky, level of talent, that first round pick level of talent. This guy is a stud. He's got size. He's a legitimate six foot five, got good size on him. He's not skinny. He can block better than a Mallory type. He has some blocking ability. Uh, Dawson, you heard him go on and on about his ability to run routes. We've seen him run after the catch. Miami, Ohio, he has a nice play after the catch. He can do that. It's all over his high school highlights. And he has speed. You know, the guy can just flat out run. So put it all together. and You have a complete tight end that Miami wanted, obviously, Alabama wanted, Ohio State wanted. Um, major win for Cristobal that I don't know has been celebrated enough. He was injured a little bit in spring, injured a little bit in fall camp, starting to get the playing time with the ones now. But once he breaks through, and it could be this weekend, he's going to be a household name, in my opinion, for the rest of his career at Miami. Shannon Dawson essentially said he's as about as talented as he's ever seen at that position. So um, very high praise there. Um, from from coach Dawson and not to backtrack too much but how about coach Cristobal with the big shout out this week in his weekly press conference for coach Kevin Beard and 
you know, his analysts and David Cooney and Don Varner, who, who have been instrumental with that wide receiver group. Yeah, they've done a great job. Really, those top three, and we talked about that the top three had solidified themselves. We've been mentioning that really since, since practice began. Colby Young, Restrepo, Jacoby George. I'd like to see a fourth guy kind of emerge, right? Is it going to be Horton? Isaiah Horton, who had the big touchdown against Texas A&M quiet last week. Is it going to be a Tyler Harrell, who really hasn't gotten going yet, but you know he's super explosive and has that game-breaking speed, 30 yards per catch in the ACC at, at Louisville? Rashard Smith. Rashard Smith, who made some really nice plays last week on top of the amazing kickoff return against Texas A&M. He could be that guy. Ray Ray Joseph, we've been waiting for him to emerge. We saw Robbie Washington get some get some playing time last week and make some plays. Could he be the guy? So that's a position I'm watching closely to see who's that fourth wide receiver, who's going to make that jump. Shamar Kirk, you know, uh, Mike Redding, Frank Lassen, they're probably further down, but like a Kobe Young, could someone emerge out of nowhere? That's what I want to see. Who's going to be that fourth wide receiver? Because those top three, I know they can get it done at the ACC level. I think there's a group, maybe not, you know, there's no Keon Coleman first round pick in that group. But you look at them collectively, you have the big guy, you have the, the slot guy, and then you have the down the field guy. So you got a lot with those first three. Who's going to be the fourth guy, fifth guy, the the other name to join that group? And not to look too far ahead, but of course, after this week, Miami has their bye game before heading into ACC play against Georgia Tech. So getting the win this weekend, 4-0, another week of rest. Obviously, a couple injuries still still tracking those, trying to trying to get, trying to see, you know, what's going to happen with certain guys. Uh, but a, another week of rest will certainly be needed. And then that Miami-Ohio win, week one, D, looking better as the weeks go on here, as they beat Cincinnati last week, they did. You know, and you mentioned going four and zero. We're getting it. We're talking about things about specific players and things like that. Miami needs to win this game and play well. This is a team that lost to Middle Tennessee, uh, Tennessee State last year. This is a team that you know has not shown that this, they can overlook a team like Temple. I mean, really, no one can, but certainly not a Miami team that's trying to establish what they are. So. Miami needs to get the win, hopefully stay healthy, and then you can enjoy that bye week, get some got some of their banged-up players healthy as you get into ACC play. First and foremost, though, Miami needs to take care of business. This is a you know, this is a FBS team that can beat you if you're playing below the standards. So first and foremost, Miami needs to play the way they've been playing all year and show that that's who they are and not just, you know, a little good run. Well, we hope to see you guys out there at Titanic Restaurant and Brewery this weekend. Game at 3.30. Again, best game day deal in town. $1 wings, $1 jumbo shrimp. I promise you guys do not want to miss that. It's going to be a packed house. I'm excited. Again, unfortunately, I'll be out of town, but D-Money will be there. I'll be there the rest of the games. I've been there the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I was at the game, the Texas A&M game, but I was there last week and the week before that. So excited to see you guys there as the season progresses. Like this video, subscribe. And up next on the Canes Inside Podcast, Tony Fitzpatrick breaking it all down. Canes fans, I'm really excited about this next guest here on the Canes Insight Podcast. 
a great Miami Hurricane, Tony Fitzpatrick, played nose tackle in the early 80s, a 1983 national champion at the University of Miami, guy who coached at the college level. And Tony, I know you're still very involved with the game. You're still very in tune with what's happening um, in both college and professional football. So really excited to have you on today, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, uh, I've, obviously, I follow the Canes closely. Uh, the last 15, 20 has been brutal on my own heart um, with the spikes and then fall and the spikes and then fall and just not getting over the mountain. Um, I think what we have now as, as a team, a massive change. I've seen, it reminds me a lot of when Howard came in, came in here. here. Um, it helped people. If you had one foot on the side of the fence and one foot on the other, he helped that other foot if you didn't want to be there and you were gone. Like we had a lot of night riders. Like you'd be laying in bed and you'd be talking to your roommate and, hey, everything's good. And everything, good night. I'll see you in the morning. You, you wake up and where'd he go? All his stuff's gone. And so it's not as bad now with, with, uh, with uh, you know, Mario, you know, he's transferred, right? They just get in the portal and transfer. But he helps, he's helped a lot of them make their own decision uh, where they didn't know for sure what they want to do. But, yeah, and, I, and then my son-in-law plays for the Saints, so I'm tied into the pro. I talk defenses and different things with him all the time. I love sports, and obviously football is my one my, my love. I know you've had, you know, a chance to get down to practice and see it live, right, with Mario. And again, I know you're someone who's followed the program closely uh, pretty much since since you left here. So what what did it look like there? I mean, what was different about your, you know, your other experiences recently over there? Just watching the last however many years um, and to see the change like we just spoke about uh, bringing in Coach Dawson to offense bringing in Coach Guidry, Lance Guidry for the defense. Um, you couldn't have two better hires in college football. I, I'm going to tell you what. I watched I watched the offense. I watched the offensive line. And, and Don Bailey, best friends, uh, if not like a brother to me, because he was 61. Um, we'd, we'd come in the locker room after a, a practice and say, why do we do this? We'd beat the dogs out of each other. So we became – violent friends during practice and then we've now lifelong friends but talking with him he said Fitz this might be the best offensive line ever assembled at the University of Miami I mean you're talking about teams with Mike McKinney and and Mercier just all of the the, the studs we've had but as a because as a group it might be the best ever assembled they they played a, a an SEC five-star ridden defensive line linebacker all that stuff I I mean, I, tech, I told Don, I said, Don, all they got to do is take that Van Dyke's uniform and put it back on the shelf. He barely sweated it. They they didn't touch him. And I think right. they got one time when he went outside the pocket. I mean, you got just to, just the center who's a friggin' general, field general, who's smart, who's been in the battles, co- you know, controlling, managing the, the offense line from the center spot. And then you just, just the guy, the young man in the transfer from Alabama, the young man we got from IMG, the two guys that we've had playing with us, uh, that, 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 I mean, just, we got an offense line, the right tackle, a true freshman, and no one can beat him out. He's six, six, what, three forty, And he went against the five. Oh, stars. <laughs> and I mean, he's a wall and, and, and they, 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 I mean, they didn't get a sniff off of him. 
So, right. and then and then talking with Gidry and uh, see, just, I mean, I, I felt and heard his energy when I was down there in the spring. And, and Coach uh, Cristobal let all the former players, we had a thing on Friday night uh, before this little scrimmage we had the next day. And all it was was former players. No other people, could, no one else could go to the practice. And we got to uh, FaceTime. I mean, we were right. I'm sitting there talking with Gidry. I talked to him after practice for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And to feel his energy, to to hear his love. He said he thanks God every day that he's there. I mean, and, and the Dawson, the same thing. And, and, and Dawson's got the killer. If we saw the quote at the last couple of days that came out, he's got the right. killer. In he don't want to just beat you. He wants to maul you. And mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And, and obviously when you get up on teams like your, uh, your Miami of Ohio, who just beat Cincinnati, uh, re really good. Um, and you beat them 38 to three. That's how you're supposed to win games. My, right. my son texted me said, dad, this is refreshing. This feels good. That's how you're supposed to. And then the good teams like your AMs, your Floridas, your 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 Florida States, whoever you're gonna play, they're really good teams. You you go up one score or two scores and, and you, you keep hammering. They're you know, they're good teams too. And you let that the chips fall, but you want them to fall on your side in the big games like that, the AM, the Florida States, the Floridas, the Michigans. But the teams you're supposed to beat, beat them. But just to hear his energy, uh, to hear his mentality to hear hey he told me he said fits we're not going to sit there and play this nice little technique stuff we're going to determine what they do right. we're going to come after their back ends you heard if you heard if you heard jimbo fisher or jimbo excuses um you know they had five block and we sent six they had six block and we had, we sent seven we were coming after their back end and that quarterback was never settled in the pocket and that that should not have been a penalty against our middle linebacker uh Malga. Yeah, Malago. Yeah, I don't, I don't. But all I know is, he's, I'm just gonna say, 51 stud. Right, he's a stud. right. Because it was loud. It was. It was. I guess it was. I guess they moved or whatever like that. And we we hit him. That was a football play. He, there was no spearing. Right. No. He hit him. But I'm gonna tell you what. He was never settled. Schematically, I mean, you you, you talk. You pretty much just alluded to it the last couple of minutes. But how different is that defense? Compared to you know what they've ran, what they ran last year with Kevin Steele, and then you being a defensive lineman, how does that you know up front? How does that change? How has it changed what they're doing? I've I've played in in different situations, different schemes uh, throughout my career when I was when I was a player and coaching it. I like to attack. I love to attack. If you're if you're gonna sit there and you're gonna play technique and make sure you keep your head in this gap and keep your body square on. You're not, you're not going to get much pass rush. It's got to be perfect, too. Yes. If, you, if you're going to come after, come off the ball um, and, and you're going to you're gonna determine what they do, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sure, you're going to play technique. You're going to be technicians, but you're going to be technicians on the run. And uh, if you saw, there was never any long runs. Never The quarterback was never settled. You want to keep them un, very uncomfortable the whole game. Their offensive line and their quarterback and their running backs. So um, – I love it as a former player, as a former coach. I love to come after. Um, right. Sure, it puts you on an island once. It puts your DBs and your safeties. But we got the players that are playing now. We got we got we got guys back there that can make plays. And as it's been said in the, in the prior weeks, we got two of the best safeties in the country, if right. not the. Best. 
And uh, you got you got the you know the coaches we got on the staff and defense, uh, the coach we got on the offense. I mean, it's just it is a like I'm a phrase my my oldest son. It is a breath of fresh air. It is exciting to see as a former Hurricane, as a 62 year old broken down nose tackle, um, to see what they're doing. I, I could I think in this defense. At 62 and a replaced right knee and a shoulder that's barely hanging on, I think I can just make some plays in this defense. I love well, it. I love listen, it. If it, they they can use they can use all the help they can get. If Mesador <laughs> is going to be out for extended period of time, and and obviously Branson, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, you look at that, you look at that uh, that defensive line, and they're going to have to start relying on some of these young guys, Reuben Bain in particular. What have you seen from him? I mean, his potential, is he a DN? Is he a D-tackle? Or is he just one of these guys in today's modern game that is going to play across the line? Well, obviously, when you're when you're playing against the run early in the early, early downs, uh, you need some beef inside. But when once it's third and long, you can move him inside, and that puts that much more pressure on that guard and that center. And, and you can put a, a, a skinnier, taller guy on the outside that, that that's usually not, a, a, you know, uh, early down run, you know, taking on that big offensive tackle, um, but he, he, I think he's, I think he's one of the dynamic players of our team. I think he can, his his potential is nothing but up, and he to get better. And I'm, I'm gonna say this. I hope it doesn't hurt his feelings. Taylor didn't. He hurt my feelings on the first game against Miami of Ohio. I think he went backwards. I think he has stepped up against a And I think he stepped up against against uh, Bethune Cookman. Which it doesn't take much to step up against the Cookman. It's a it's a lower team. You fight your guts out. We beat them exactly the way we needed to beat them. Not demolish them because those kids they they practice hard too, right? You you want to beat them with a good forty eight was perfect. It was forty eight against A and M. So Taylor Taylor I think went into the first game, the Miami Ohio game, with everybody telling him he's great. He's going to be a high draft pick next year. And he's, you just don't show up. You have to play. You have to line up and you have to play. And I think he showed up and and but I think he I think he redeemed himself against AM and I think he did good good great against uh uh Bethune Cookman and this next game against Temple, I think he's just gonna keep getting better. Cause he I think he's got that all of us head, right? So I think it's it's frustrating for some fans watching him and, and I can hear it in, in your voice because it's like you see the physical attributes and look, there's a reason hype is hype is always you know, not it's not a real thing until you see it on the field. But there's a reason why the NFL scouts do think very highly of him. But at the end of the day, the consistency has to be there. One hundred percent. Guess what? They can think very highly of him, and then they put that film on. And then there's an old adage: I'm a former coach and a player. The big eye don't lie. And and if you're not showing up on the film making plays, and you're getting knocked off the ball, and you're standing up, and they're spinning you around, and and you're nowhere near around the ball. Guess what? All that pat on the back goes away real quick. And those Definitely. GMs are not going to put money in your pocket if you're not making plays and you're getting knocked off the ball. That's not your job. Your job is to make plays, get a pass rush. But it, but I think he redeemed himself against AM. And I think, like you said, we, we expect to see a steady improvement from him as the year goes on here. Sometimes those 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 D tackles, especially those highly rated ones, like you said, they're slow starters. And as the season gets going, they get a little bit, they get more in shape, they get in their groove. So I think we're all expecting big things from him as the year goes on. That's what I heard. That's what I heard early on him. He probably he might not have been in 100 percent shape. He yeah. might have been a little yeah. 
awesome weight. But here's the deal. As a, I might be very, being very critical. I'm a nose tackle and a defense tackle. So I, I know it, right? I know the you position. have the right to talk about that for sure. I've for 12 years in college football, going against Michigan, going against your Florida's, going against every, your Texas, your AM. So I've, I've seen it, done it, and, and been there. And I wasn't impressed with him the first game. I was very impressed with him the second game and the third game. He's going to keep getting better. I think he, I think he got all that stuff out of his head about, I'm great. Uh, they're they're talking ESPN's talking to me about being a you know whatever round draft or first round back and number this and that get all that out of your head. If you don't play, they won't pay. percent. If we're nitpicking about the defensive line, last year they were top ten in sacks. You know, through, throughout the season, they haven't been getting the same sack numbers. Is that just a matter of a matter of circumstance right now? Are you concerned about that moving no. forward? No, it's a matter of time, and, and and also it's schematically. It's schematically. So, you know, the last couple of years, we have not been blitzing as much as we're going to blitz. So there's going to be sacks from safeties, corners, linebackers, where the D-line's not getting the sacks. They're getting on their edge, and who's going to block them? The offense lineman. They're not going to block the linebacker or the unless they get off or they slide block or the corner's coming from the outside. He's that that The, the quarterback has to pick that up in his mind and get, out, get the ball out. If not, he gets ear-holed. So – you know, it's it's part of its scheme, part of its you know getting more and more. Because here's the deal: you can you can you can practice and practice and practice and practice until you go against live bullets like these games. That's where you get better. And teams usually get better between their first and their second game. We took a major step in between the Miami Ohio and the AM game. The first couple plays made me a little nervous, and the drop punt made me a little nervous. But once we settled in. And started doing Miami Hurricane football in the way that I know Coach uh, Cristobal and the staff has been teaching it. We did our deal. We did our we did our thing. Tony, a couple more things here before I let you go. It, talking a little bit more about that defensive line, especially against the run, they've been really really good this year. And it's interesting because I think going into the year there were some questions because it's not you don't have all these three hundred plus linemen. Um, on on the roster, right? Even a Jared Harrison Hunt and a Leonard Taylor are not, they're not your your prototypical 320-pound nose-plugging defensive tackles, right? So how do they create success not being the biggest defensive line up front, if you can kind of get into through, that? Through quickness, through strength, and through knowledge of tackling. Our knowledge of tackling for, I swear to you, way it's been years i mean when your free safety is making leading the team in tackles things aren't good because they're going by all they're going by defense linemen and linebackers like two trains passing the night and they're not even noticing it until the free safety hits him eight nine ten yards downfield which drove me crazy no players play your scheme know where the ball is and wrap up and tattoo his back end I mean, that's what we're doing. We're, we don't have to be the 300-pounder because that's not our scheme. The 300-pounders are hold the edge and, and hold, you know, offensive guard and a center at the same time and hold that point. We're not doing that. We're attacking. We're more athletic. We're, we're, we're more engaged in the knowledge of our defense, and we're so much better at tackling. Those three things will help you as a defense. Uh, then you don't have – where you don't have to be the 300, 310-pounder, 320-pounder. 
And then, I mean, look, we've talked about the D-line. You mentioned how good the safeties are on the back end. But that linebacker play, to me, has been so much more improved. The athleticism there has been raised in a major, major way. I mean, how much confidence does that give a defensive lineman? Especially, like you said, this isn't more of an attacking scheme, right? So knowing that you guys ha- you have the guys behind you can cl- kind of clean up the mess, so to speak. Huge, huge. Because if, if you're attacking your gap, like Coach Gidry has them doing, you know the linebackers are going to be in his gap. These guys have come together. It's, it's a breath of fresh air to see this linebacker play. It's a breath of fresh air to see this corner play. I mean, our whole defense as a group has taken major, major steps. Because here's the deal. We're going to score. And then guess what that happens with the defense? If they're going to keep up with you, they have to score. And if they're not, if we're out scoring them, they're going to have to start passing the ball. Guess what the, as a defensive lineman, guess what that does for you? Gosh, dang, thank you so much because I'm going to pin my ears back. I'm going to get my back in there, and I'm coming off even far, faster on your back end. So it, it changes your mindset as a defense where you're not going to sit there and play three yards of cloud of dust. You're going to pin your ears back and come after them even more. I would think in a situation like that, you get two scores ahead, three scores ahead. Coach Gidry's his mindset even is a more of attack albeit his, his 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 mindset from going into it he's going to attack because he's an attacking style defense he's not a he's not a technique sit there read and all that stuff he's an attacking it even becomes more of an attack defense man it's 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 crazy where we were a year ago on both the offense and the defense side of the ball but those coordinator hires seem to be the biggest moves that Mario has made obviously the recruiting is going to be the recruiting that's going to be what Mario does but it's awesome to see that because look the criticism of Mario, his coaching career, people have said he's not the greatest X and O's guys. To me, you surround yourself with two excellent coordinators like that. He's able to be the CEO now and really hit the other aspects of, of the head coaching job. Peter, head coaches these days are managers, motivators, and marketers. Your coordinators and your assistant coaches coach the team. The, the head coach he manages any situation. He motivates the team before and after and at halftime. Uh, and then he manages, he motivates, he manages, he markets. He does all that. Your coordinators are the ones that run the team. And he's got two great ones running their staffs because they're running their staffs. They're, 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 Gidry's got the defensive staff and Dawson's got the offensive staff. They're running their staffs. And, and, and Mario, being his background, his offensive line, he he's believe me, he's intertwined big time with that, and and uh, he, he is uh, he's do, I'm so excited as a former player and a former coach just to watch and and too another thing I was a special teams coordinator and D line coach and to watch that kickoff return from the from the Hall of Champions suite that the former players get, I can see it right from the back end and I watched that thing open up like I mean. It was like the parting of the sea, and it was beautiful. So it's just it's just the, the whole thing um, makes you feel better as a former player of the Miami Hurricanes um, to see the coaches, the upgrade. And I've, I've, I've really loved, like, Mike, Mark Rick's one of my good friends. To see him struggle, I mean, he won some games, and, and one of the biggest games in, in a long time, beating Notre Dame there in, in our stadium, in the Hard Rock. I was there, and it was overwhelming because – with a last name like Fitzpatrick, growing up, Notre Dame was one of my teams. Um, but to, to unless we were playing them like that night, 
and we smoked them and made them like it. And uh, that's where I want to get back to Miami. I heard Rock and, and uh, Cilio talking uh, the other day on their deal, and we don't have to get back to Miami Hurricane football the way it was. We have to get back to Miami Hurricane the way you beat people, you make them like it, and you go on and get – you go in with a confidence you're going to beat people. We don't have to have all the dance and the, and the crazy stuff. You can have some of that, and I see some of that. Mario's letting some stuff go on, and I love it. I love it because the kids feel – the kids are kids, right? Kids are going to be kids. You can't sit there and play. You can't coach robots. Let them be kids. Let them take it to the edge. Don't be, you know, don't do anything stupid to hurt your team. Take it to the edge. Dance a little bit. High five. Jump around. I have no problem with that. All that shows is enthusiasm for somebody who just made a great play. Um, yeah, don't hurt your team. Don't hurt your team. We don't have to go back to the, I mean, I'll, believe me, don't get me wrong. Like when they're dancing in the end zone against Texas, at, 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 at the uh, the bowl in Dallas, Texas, uh, the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl, yeah. Um, 40, was it 43 to 2 or 43, 42 to 3 or whatever like that? I loved it because I live here in Texas. And it, if, I'm, if I'm drinking water against the Texas Longhorn, I want to beat him. All right. It's a breath of fresh air. It's great to see. I love everything. And I text, I text Mario, and he said to me, he said, I appreciate you, bro, and I love you. And he's embracing you guys again, which it, it seems like that was not for whatever reason. I know, obviously, they had the NCAA thing that kept that kept some former players away, but it, it's it. You guys have been embraced. It seems like once again, why, unless it's the NCAA keep us away. Why would you keep them away? All that is great history, uh, great. And here's another thing: one day that kid's going to be done playing. And and there's people. I'm not. I'm not real smart about this stuff. But there's people that have left the university as a former player and have built incredible careers in business. All that is an opportunity because we we want to take care of our own, right? Just like you know who does that? Texas A&M. If you played at Texas A&M, you almost guaranteed you have a job when you leave. Right. All that is the recruiting tool. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna take care of our own. You get a degree, do a great job on the field, be a good guy, and we're gonna help you. And we have a lot of great people and a lot of great businesses that, that can help these kids once they graduate. Right. Whether they had success in professional football or not, I think exactly that, right. that network is what Mario is going to continue uh, to build. And listen, we, we appreciate guys like you who are who are still involved. And, you know, you go out to the practices, you still come out to the games and um, that support is is definitely appreciated. So we're not going to be seeing you in Colorado uh, on the sidelines with with no, Dion. No, 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 no. I, I'm in the same. I'm in the same mindset as Alonzo Highsmith. I don't know if you yeah. saw that. Yeah, I did. His Facebook <laughs> post. His yeah, Facebook post. I'm 100. I'm a Miami Hurricane. You couldn't pay me 500 million dollars to wear a Colorado jersey or be anywhere around it. I'm so happy. So happy for for Coach Sanders. Okay, yeah. I'm so happy for him because all he did was trade out one team and put another team in there. And he, like he said, he brought some luggage, which is his son and his receiver and that running back and some other play. Let me tell you something, though. Know this, Peter. He's got great coaches around him, mm-hmm. which letting him ma- ma- manage, market, and motivate. Market, what he's doing, he, well, and he's doing, mar- at, at least from the outside looking in, the marketing and the motivating, he's – the the best in the country right now. They gave him twenty nine million to be the head coach, and they only had they didn't have the money, and they raised twenty eight million, and now they've raised almost a hundred million. 
I mean, he, he is a marketing phenom, and uh, he's got great coaches around. Now, I watch his team. They are coached well. They are coached really well, and they use the talent, and they use the scheme with the talent they have. And get get that the Hunter kid that got hurt. Get him out in space. Let him play corner. He's going to shut you down, but get him out in space. I mean, the, his son, the quarterback. And then he's got a young. Then he's got a young son playing cornerback, and he takes it to the house. Eighty-yard touchdown, pick six. So I mean, he's got players, but he's getting. No, it, it's impressive, you know what the, that that turnaround, especially with all the talk in the off season. But at least we don't have to worry about you out there in Boulder, man. You're. <laughs> we know you're. We know you're orange and green oh, through and through. Only place I'm gonna go for him is Houston, Texas, to Miami, Florida. There I'm you not go. Boulder, unless we're playing them. Then I'll be on the. I'll be right there. There you go. Well, Tony, man, we appreciate the time. Uh, awesome getting into this nitty nitty gritty with you on the defensive line stuff. Um, and again, really appreciate your your involvement still with the program. And you know, hopefully, we talk again later this season. And Kane still have things rolling. Peter, sounds good, man. Good to talk to you. Have a good awesome. one. Awesome. You too.